Welcome to our Advent prayer journey. The word Advent comes from a Latin word which was originally translated from a Greek word parousia, which referred to the coming of Christ in the flesh, as well as his second coming. And Advent has been a part of the church calendar since the early days of the church. It is a tool that helps us prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ. So take a moment to pause, take a breath, and refocus your scattered thoughts on the presence of Jesus. And as you breathe, remember that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not some impersonal life force or power, but a companion for life who walks with you every day. Rather than praying what you think that you should pray, pray from an honest place. Pray as if your best friend were sitting right next to you with a listening ear. Today, pray the prayer of Psalm 105, verses 8 through 11. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore with Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you, I will give the land of Canaan as a portion you will inherit. Our Father is consistently and eternally perfect. When God makes a promise, he doesn't need to change it. It was perfect from the beginning. His promise is forever, and he does not forget. We're the ones who forget who he is. He reminds us gently through each generation that he is consistent and constant and present. Today, consider the generations that go before you in faith as you pray. Maybe you have faithful people in your family who have passed down God's promises to you, or maybe you're the first person in your family. Consider the family of faith that has gone before you and the consistency of our shared father and his faithfulness over the centuries. Our father, I praise you today for your faithfulness and consistent perfection. I praise you for your enduring promises and the heritage of faith that I am a part of. Lead me into deeper trust of you and your everlasting nature. Today, we turn our attention to the genealogy of Jesus. Ancient genealogies are more than a bloodline account. The authors specifically chose which names to include in order to present a narrative that supports the theme of their book. Listen today for the women in Jesus's genealogy as included by Matthew, but rarely included by the other authors of his time. Matthew chapter one, verses one through 17. And this is a paraphrase. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. 
Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. The women listed in Matthew's genealogy each bring a legacy of faith to the Christmas story. Each of their stories could be discussed in great depth, but we'll just briefly look at each of them. Tamar pursued justice when it was denied to her by her family. The Lord rewarded her greatly for her courage, and she is counted righteous. Rahab, a prostitute, acknowledged the Lord from inside of the city of Jericho, providing shelter and safety for the Israelite spies. She leaves all she knows to join the Lord and his people. Ruth, similarly, abandons her Moabite roots to join her mother-in-law, Naomi, in Israel. She claims the Lord is her God, and she says yes to the plans of Naomi, even though uh, she is not promised security or success in life. She is honored as a woman of faith. Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, who is not mentioned by name, was a victim in the tragic account of King David's adultery and subsequent murder of her husband. However, she does not remain in her tragedy. She is redeemed, and her bloodline includes King Solomon and eventually Jesus herself. Lastly, Mary is the mother of Jesus, the woman who carried the child born of the Holy Spirit. She was the woman who provided the humanity of our Savior. And she was surprised, yet submitted, full of wonder, but not doubt to God's plans. Now, as you consider the implications of each woman's story, ask yourself this question. Where might God be taking my story? What might his plan of redemption look like in my life? As we return again to our passage, listen for the natural inflections that you hear in the passage. Are there certain words or phrases that jump out to you or people in this case? And what might God be saying to you by highlighting those people? This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Salmon, the father of Boaz, who was the mother of Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, and Joseph of Mary, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. 
Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile in, uh, in Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. What words are you hearing jump out to you? Maybe like Tamar, today's prayer will center around this phrase, Lord, give me courage to pursue justice and righteousness. Maybe you feel connected to Rahab. Your prayer might be, mighty God, I abandon all that I know. I surrender my ways to your ways. I leave behind my old life to join you in your plans. Ruth's statement of faith is, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Maybe your Ruth-inspired prayer today is, yes, Lord, although I do not see how the future will work out, I will follow you. If Bathsheba's history of tragedy stands out to you today, pray something like this, loving Father, I submit my pain to you today. In conclusion, let's pray a prayer together that is similar to the heart of Mary. Her legacy of submission and her response to God's plan is inspiring. Mighty God, Nothing is impossible for you. Fill me with courage, faith, and surrender. I am in awe of your limitless nature, God of the universe. I am your servant. May your will be done in my life.